Spectrum Health and Human Services is located throughout Western New York. For an appointment, call 716-539-5500. If you are in a crisis, you can call 716-710-5172. Their website is www.shswny.org. Hello, 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 everyone. I am here to proudly introduce to you yet once again another Spectrum Health and Human Services and Room 9 collaborative episode. This one I'm especially excited about because we recorded this about a month or so ago and the room we were in was extremely, just the reverb in it was insane, so I wanted to re-record it. And it's like the universe does not want this podcast out. It's just very bizarre because this time around I had an issue with an XLR cable. But it is here, it is released. I've spent many extra hours than I normally do trying to get it to sound as best as possible. But the content in this episode is so awesome because these three ladies that I sit down with are hands down easily the most incredible three human beings I've yet to have a conversation with. And these three women who work in the housing department, Colleen Grass, Alyssa Hebler, and Stacey Arlane, are the most incredible people and loving and accepting and non-judgmental and genuine and authentic human beings I've ever met. They are absolutely in love with what they do. They are absolutely in love with the people they help and the people they work with. And it was such an honor and such a privilege to sit down with these three ladies. And I'm just going to get right into the episode because there is that where they describe kind of what their department is all about. But there's also so much of their... I don't even know how to explain it, the side of them that they just talk about their experience with people and how amazing it is and just how much they love their job and even though it seems like such a responsibility to them, it's such an honor and such a privilege for them to be doing what they are doing. So just enjoy this episode. This is a wonderful episode. Alyssa Hebler is the Managing Director of Housing Services. Kyleen Gress is a Program Manager for the Housing Department and Stacey Arlane is is the senior housing case manager. So enjoy this episode. This is a great and very emotional, and you can just really get the idea and the feeling and the vibe that they just are so grateful for what they are doing. So enjoy this, and don't forget to show Spectrum House some love, and I'm excited to, as always, continue our relationship. So enjoy this episode, guys. I will be talking to you soon. Lots coming out. Hit up room9podcast.com. We got the second vlog happening and in the works. As I get more of a routine in the schedule, those will be coming out quicker. But hop on over to the website, hop on over to Spectrum's website, show love. Have a great week. I love you guys. Thank you for all your support as always. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. out of her nose yeah that's it's that time of year when that happens as well see it's a thing it is a thing <laughs> so what is the the actual the name of your guys department is it just housing peer services what is um our department is 
spectrum housing, but we provide supported housing. Okay. Um, we also have vocational services, but we do not have peer services located here. So this is just the housing. This is this whole building. This is the housing department. Yep. It's ironic. The housing department is literally in a house. Yes. That's pretty awesome. I think they planned it that way. It's nice and cozy, and we think that our patrons enjoy it when they come visit. Yeah, I think can it's... get a nice meal. I've been around Spectrum, and I think this is the, definitely the coolest places. We like it. It is very, very chillaxed and relaxing, so I love it. So last time I talked to you guys, what has changed here? Colleen's at Buff State. I am at Buff State. You started guys... uh, my program there. And you are, this is grad? Nope, still undergrad. Still undergrad. Uh, So you did what, two years at ECC? I did two years at ECC. I now have my associate's degree in social sciences, and now I am off to Buff State for the next four years of my life to get my my BSW. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, that is super And then we'll figure out if I'm going to do master's or not. I might be broke by then. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way um, this country goes. If you want to get an education, you're going to pay for it, which is whatever. That's another time, another subject. So, (laughs) and then you guys are in Monroe County now. Yes, we have recently obtained a grant and it began effective January 1st of this year in Monroe County, Rochester, New York. Um, We have four new staff, a program manager, two case managers, and a office support assistant that is exciting it is very exciting it is in our forensic housing program so it's identical to the one we have in erie county so it's omh funded office of mental health funded um and it is a phase a two-part phase program actually three now um it is for individuals that are releasing from a correctional facility in New York State with a serious mental health diagnosis that are often linked with parole. They don't necessarily have to be, but about 90% of them are. And then we help them find housing and get back on their feet um, by linking them with other services in the community. The phase two of that is there are special beds of individuals who are also releasing from they have a forensic history background and they are currently at a stop at the like uh, 2PC center like a psychiatric center Mm -hmm. and they are ready for release into the community so they are also returning to the community and we are helping them find housing and get back on their feet that is awesome I think the first thing we talked about last time was the importance of housing and the whole Maslow's hierarchy thing where if you don't have housing, you can't work at anything else in your life. So you got you gals are like the number one most important thing to get people moving and changing. And that's super important. So how does that feel to have all of that pressure on you? <laughs> wow. Good. Wow. Not so good when you put it that way. Right? We don't really view it as pressure. I... I think I it's speak for pressure. everybody. We it's it's a blessing. It is. And th- well that's what I got from my conversation with you gals last time we sat down and you three are awesome. And I was re-listening to the crappy recording but just about two days ago and just kind of getting refreshed on what we talked about and Colleen's like ending moment <laughs> and then the three of you compliment each other very well. And that's why when Alyssa was like, Well, should I get different people? Do you want the same? I was like, let's have the same three people because that would be awesome you guys have already sat down and talked with us or with me I should say and you already been through it and you you guys are perfect for it so 
Oh, thank you very much. I am much. excited to be back here. And what I want to do is kind of start off like we did last time and just do a little round robin of what your kind of role is in this department and what you, why you love doing this, what, why you're into it. If any of it is repetitive because we've done this before, I apologize. So we're going to start with Stacy. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Stacy Erlane. I'm a senior housing case manager here at Spectre, Spectrum. Spectrum? Spectrum. <laughs> I have a caseload that I work. I am also a supervisor of two other staff. I also do SOAR applications, which is helping our clients with no income get their Social Security benefits. I also deal with social services to get that started for them, whether it's SNAP or temporary assistance. Uh, what else do I do? Whole host, a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Why did what made you like want to get into finding people places to live and helping, just helping people in general? Well, I started out in shelters in Birmingham, Alabama, and then I went into street outreach, and then I came here and was in street outreach, and then Colleen bribed me to come here with cookies. Yes, and I said, so come to the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> but um, I, I think, you know, we we all get into this for a reason, and it is we mm -hmm. can probably all tell a very common story about what draws us to this line of work. Um, whether it's meeting people in, when they're experiencing homelessness or when they're experiencing loss or anything like that in their lives, I think we all get into it for pretty much the same reason. We want to help people. Um, for me personally, I've experienced homelessness and I know what that felt like and weren't very many resources for me then. So I want to give back. That's awesome. I think that's something we touched base on a, a lot last time was how awesome this county is and this area is to getting people off the streets as opposed to a lot of other places in this country. Right. So when we go to um, the yearly conference in Washington, D.C., other other continuums are asking how we do what we do. So they're looking to us as a, a model of how to get their or city or their county up to the standard that we are here in Erie County. Yeah. And that's that's always awesome, too to hear when your hometown is taking care of its people. It is. It's a good thing. That is very it's good. It's a good thing. And much better than winning a Super Bowl or a Stanley oh, Cup. Oh, I, I don't know about that. We would have <laughs> liked the Super Why can't we have both? Yes. We can have both. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get both, but as long as we have this one taken care of, I'm happy. Absolutely. But what about you, Colleen? Your position here? My name is Colleen Gruss. I have worked for Spectrum for 16 years, and I am currently uh, one of the program managers for the housing department. As we already said, I am going to Buff State and here we go. <laughs> My uh, introduction to social work teacher had a very impactful little blurb on her presentation and it said, we're not in it for the income, we're in it for the outcomes. That is so true because we definitely don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and she actually said that. She goes, if you're here to make money, you might as well just leave my class now. But it is so true. Uh, I think we all, as Stacy said, and I'm sure Alyssa will agree, we're all in this to help. You have to have empathy, not sympathy, empathy mm -hmm. for these people. They're coming with nothing and we're helping them trying to establish something. And sometimes it takes work, a lot of work. A lot. Yeah. No, it does. And grace and understanding and acceptance and non-judgment and that list continues on for a very long time absolutely of everything you need to to be in this position i mean even throughout my journey it's just 
from the time I spent in jail up until now, some of the people I've met, the most beautiful souls you could ever come across that have nothing, that have been crapped on, that have been judged, that have been stigmatized, that have been just, the list goes on and on of all the things. That's one of the hardest barriers is when people have been in this situation for a very long time, they're so used to being judged and labeled and trying to break that barrier sometimes takes a lot. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of time from street from street outreach to any program. Breaking down that barrier of somebody actually does care, and then you have to prove it. You have to back it up, mm -hmm. uh, and that sometimes is a lot harder than people think. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And then you get a lot of cynical people too because they've been lied to and. People oh, yeah. have said, oh, I'll do this for you. I'll do that. And then they don't end up doing anything. And that's a whole whole nother ball game there. What about you, Alyssa? Um, hello. My name is Alyssa Hebler. I am the Managing Director of Housing Services here at Spectrum. I have been working for Spectrum for almost 20 years in May. And I have been in the housing department since um, 2003. So it's 17 years this year. Long time. And... Uh, let me tell you, when I began working in the field, the human services field, I did not start out in housing. I went to school to become a clinical mental health counselor, and I have a degree in that, a master's degree. But I was working in case management, intensive case management, and I really liked that picture because I felt like you could see the overall picture of what is happening in a person's life, not somebody coming in to four walls and sitting there and listening to you and talking with you. I liked that I could see everything and meet family members and things like that. And when an opportunity presented itself to me to become um, involved in the new, a new housing program with 20 beds which we now have 275, yay. I said, sure, I'm going to try it. I, I knew nothing about it I, except for making an, a SPOA referral for housing as a care coordinator. And when I came in, I was encapsulated with everything. I From start to finish, the whole process with individuals that were homeless, that, have, that had mental health issues, and to see them thrive and survive and from what they were from day one to like a year later was something that made me feel so good inside. I just wanted to keep on doing that. So that's kind of how I got into the housing field. But of course, we all get in it because we want to help people mm -hmm. and we want, you know, we're just in it for the outcomes. The outcomes, not the income. Yes. Which that's a great line. I'm going to have to it steal is. that because it's a very good line. I came back and I was telling people, I'm like, that was the best thing that I've ever seen when it comes to social work. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was very impressed by that. And I told her as such. Yeah. And you definitely, uh, I mean, definitely aren't making a ton of money doing this. So it definitely is about the outcome. What's it like for you ladies to kind of see somebody who is homeless and hopeless and then you get with them and you do your whole process and then they are successful and they move out of your housing because they have found job and they have found success and everything like what is that kind of feeling i know it's very ineffable to really kind of express but like walk me through that i don't know how many i know some people might take longer than others and uh, some people might take years and years but i'm sure that's like an awesome feeling to see and watch. And I'm just curious as to like, what's that experience like for me from beginning to end? It's bittersweet. 
Mm-hmm. Because you want to see them move on and you want to see them successful and you, the goal is for them to not need you anymore. But by the time you get to that point, you've spent so much time with them, investing in them and building them up and going through everything in their lives with them that when it's time for them to, to fly away, it's, it's bittersweet. Is it analogous to watching your kids move out of the house? Can be. Yep. It can be. What, what about for you, Colleen? What is that? Well, I haven't been in housing uh, all that long, not as long, nearly as long as Alyssa. This is going on my, I just ended my third year. So I can only talk about one person that stands out. <laughs> I hate this. Um, <laughs> he had been struggling with the social security. And by the time I started working with him, it was already going, um, waiting the two, two and a half years that he did. And I had gone with him to his interview with the judge. And the judge actually let me sit in the room because it was on a teleprompter. And um, my client was struggling very, very badly trying to answer the questions. And um, so the judge let me talk and I started and then my client would finish. And he was just so thankful. And then we hadn't heard anything for a while. So we went down to Social Security to find out. And he found out that he was awarded his social security and he screamed it's all because of you colleen i thank you i think and he was like crying and then of course i'm crying and it was a whole big thing right in the middle of the office on at exchange street you know um but that is that is that was like one of the best things just to see them so happy to see that smile and to know that it's genuine and uh that's i think that really just sums it up Mm -hmm. they're just so thankful when something that they've been trying and trying and you're there to help them a little bit keep planting the seeds how many times do we say that plant the seeds just just keep asking even if they sometimes they give up on themselves and we just keep planting those seeds come on sometimes you gotta be the cheerleader bring out my fake pom-poms and come on let's go (laughs) well that's what it takes right yeah i mean it takes time and it's a journey because there's no recipe to helping somebody Unfortunately, there's no recipe to get somebody motivated. There's no recipe for anything, especially when it comes to an individual and each individual is so different and it's such a process and it's all about just kind of being there, meeting people where they're at and just kind of going on the journey with them as opposed to forcing them to try to take a certain journey. And that's why it it does, like like Stacy said, it's bittersweet, you know, because you want them to succeed, but knowing what you know, and it is hard. It's very difficult to let them go, but we know we have to. It's it's like a a, a parent thing, like you said, because mm-hmm. you you get so used to talking to them and sharing in their life, and they'll call you just to say hi sometimes, mm-hmm. and you know you sort of miss that, and they will still for a little while, but then they will just go on about their lives, and Lord knows we have more coming in the door. So yes, there's always that as well. Alyssa, what is that uh, that feeling of this part of the journey like for you? I'm sure you wrote it down. Well, I agree with Stacy. It is bittersweet, but it's a good thing no matter what, because there are people lined up out the door looking for housing and assistance. And in this area, we are very fortunate to be able to offer it. A lot of places in other states and other communities do not have the services that we have here. It's very cold weather in the winter. It scares me. That is one of my biggest things, these winters with these individuals not having anywhere to go. But um, I'm honestly not in the field anymore. I mean, I do more administrative type work now. So I just 
I'm happy to see people moving on mm-hmm. and um, and kind of living through these guys with that. So yeah, well, you hit on something I wanted to talk about, and I believe you guys it was called like Cold Blue or something. That's kind oh, yeah. of the area, and you talked about what was the degree again if, after they open up shelters, if I remember correctly. It's Is thirty it like thirty two degrees. And 15? I think two of the places open and at 15, I think three. Okay. I think I'm correct. I haven't done it in like a year and a half. Yeah. And I did it three years ago. Jean Bennett over at Restoration Society runs all of that. She does a fantastic job. Um, I'm convinced has saved so many lives mm-hmm. um, here in Buffalo with that program. Like Alyssa said, that's a terrible when somebody dies because they don't have a place to go in from the cold and it had been it had been quite a long time since we had lost anybody here i believe up until last winter and then we had larry out in williamsville which i remember reading about that yeah very tragic but cold blue so but somebody goes around in a van and looks for people who are just kind of out and have nowhere to go and picks them up and takes them somewhere. Takes them to one of the shelters. Um, if anybody knows, I think they partner with 211. So if anybody knows of anybody or sees anybody, you call 211 and they will dispatch the van um, out to that location. And then they have a regular route of known areas where people experiencing homelessness will gather. We'll and they check those areas nightly. I guess a good thing is we've had a pretty mild winter so far, which is... This is true. Been, um, I guess, kind of a blessing. I don't know if you look at it from like the planet's going to hell and it's going <laughs> to be gone soon <laughs> aspect, but <laughs> I'm not totally sure. So, all right. But you guys started in Monroe County and you're also in. We have what Wyoming. Other counties? We're at, currently, we are in Erie County. We are in Wyoming County and we are in Monroe County. Hoping to continue to further expand into more counties. <laughs> But yes, for now, that's the three counties for housing that we offer um, services. It's all supported housing, so it's non-licensed, which means it is technically the most independent level of housing you could have. It's basically finding somebody an apartment, providing them a security deposit, first month's rent, and then a rental stipend based upon their income, getting them some furnishings, um, and helping them just get settled in life. And that can be a big feat for somebody, especially if they're coming from an institutional setting or if they're coming from being off the streets. I mean, when you think about it, like you open up your eyes and you're in a cell and then the next day you're in this huge place and it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So we're there to help them as best as we can to try and, and reacclimate into the community and do the best we can with that. Very exciting. I really like that. That's that's the one thing. I, I enjoy seeing people thrive and do better. And we have had a lot of success stories. What are the, I don't want to say, I guess, I guess it's requirements for somebody to be a part of this program. Do they need to have a substance use history? Do they need to have any kind of mental health history? Do they have to be going into the services with Spectrum? Well, we have several different funding sources. We have funding through OMH, the Office of Mental Health. The requirements for that is that the individuals must have a serious mental health diagnosis and be either coming from like an institution, a correctional facility. They could be homeless, chronically homeless. Um, We also have funding from OASIS, which is in our Wyoming County area. That is a little different. These individuals are um, high utilizers of Medicaid services. 
services. So they have to have Medicaid. They have to have a primary diagnosis of substance use disorder and a few hospitalizations within 12 months to be eligible. Um, That's a small program with eight individuals. We also have funding through HUD, which is our chronically homeless program, 40 beds there. These individuals can have any type of disabling condition, Mm -hmm. but they must be um, chronically homeless, which is defined as being homeless for one year continuously or four episodes of homelessness over three years totally or over what? Over three years. Over three years. Totaling 12 months. Very tongue-tied to say that. Uh, Let's see what else do we have funding in. We have eShy funding, Empire State Supportive Housing Initiative money. That also ties into the uh, forensic housing. That was a new grant that we got um, last year and again on January 1st alongside the forensic beds in Monroe County. And that helps the individuals coming from the um, New York State Correctional Facilities with uh, serious uh, mental health conditions. So what what happens now? Somebody comes to you and is one month shy of meeting those requirements. Then they unfortunately are not eligible. eligible. They might be eligible for, for some other type of service in the housing community. And we attend or a lot of different meetings in the community where there's like a coordination of care, um, mm-hmm. coordination, coordinated COC. We all meet because there's all different kinds of housing. There's licensed housing. There's there's rapid rehousing, which is similar to supported housing, but time sensitive. There's all different types. So we'll all go to these meetings and we'll discuss the very difficult cases or would this person be a better fit for your program? Would this person be a better fit with for our program? And the county and our funding sources are usually present there. So there's important enough people to basically help us make those decisions. And that's just a bunch of different companies that come together mm-hmm. at that? Okay. Different housing agencies, different county funding, like county funding. Um, the um, outreach people, mm-hmm. the companies that have the outreach teams, the shelters, the shelters come because mm-hmm. um, we're all it's all a collaboration. That's the word. Which it, which it has to <laughs> be. Continuum of care. Yes, that's, that's the other is. one. <laughs> but it has to be because if somebody is two weeks, one month short of something and to be able to say, no, you can't get this service. To not be like, but I can have you talk to this person and you might be able to get help this way. Well, all of our referrals come to us from the coordinated entry system, from SPOA referrals. So typically it ought to already be it already all of that's qualified. proven right okay. before they get sent to us. So there's not a, a time where you ladies are talking with somebody who really needs some services and you'd be like, I can't do that for you. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, we do get phone calls and, you know, they're like, how do I do this? And, you know, we we point them in the right direction to start that paperwork because that is the only way to get on the list. Mm-hmm. And there is no time like, oh, you're the next one in line or, you know, it's two months out because pe- people are popping up left and right. And there's also a scale that we go by. It's the VI the VI Spadat. VI Spadat, which they're asked questions. And depending on how they answer it, the higher the score, the higher you you get put up on the list of importance. Not that everybody isn't important. I'm just saying that's how we have to denote um, it's the most. There. It's the most vulnerable, vulnerable to yeah, get them off. So theoretically, um, a 70-year-old woman would be would rank more vulnerable on that assessment than a 20-year-old young man. That's kind of how it ranks it. 
which was so it's kind of like analogous to because I remember I got into a long term treatment facility rehab facility because I because of heroin using heroin mm-hmm. as opposed to cocaine and and then I know IV users got put it even front you know and further in front and stuff like that so. I mean, you have to do that. I think those are tough decisions that you have to make, but are necessary to save lives. Right. So there has to be an order to it. So as far as as some of the bedding beds are concerned, it's balancing that homeless time against that vulnerability scale. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the other nice thing is when they do get linked up with the outreach team who typically does do the VIs, they watch for them. They'll look for them when they do their outreaching and make sure they're okay. And if they're not, they'll try. There's many, many, many different people that help the homeless get the items that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Marcy is amazing it's at fantastic. that. Um, and we're all, again, it's a collaborative effort where, okay, I have this person over here. Can you guys check on them? And they'll say where they're, you know, where they live, quote unquote. And then there's other people that will go and see if they need you know, a bed or, or not, not so much a bed, but a sleeping bag or some clothing or some boots, especially in the winter, you know, and that's when we meet every other Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about that just to make sure that these people are getting taken care of as best as they can be. Um, and some people just refuse to even go in and that takes 16 years sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yes. So there's people out there on the front lines, and that's where Stacy came from, was the front lines that, that are really working and planting those seeds and saying, listen, there are people that care and just keep trying and keep trying to get them to us. And then we have more work to do on them. And it's definitely uh, teamwork makes the dream work. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times we heard that. And it's it's the God's honest truth. Yeah. So Stacy, you did the street outreach stuff before? Yes. What is like, run me through quickly, like what that looks like. You just go out there and just get to know people, hang out with them, just talk with them. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you're in the park and you're just having a conversation. Um, Sometimes you're sitting under the bridge with an addict Mm -hmm. and you're going through that whole process with them. Um, I thought she was going to cry. I'm just saying. <laughs> I almost did. Sometimes you're you're just driving around looking for new spots where people have started to gather or sleep. Um, and it's it's mostly about street outreach is, is the triage. It's figuring out what they need, what they qualify for, getting them to the people that can do all of those things. So it's the, I say it's the emergency room of all of it. Mm. And we assess it, we figure out what they need, and then we send them up to the floors that they need to go to. So you have to establish very, very quickly that level of trust. Which is challenging. To be able to help yeah. them. Yes, it, it very much so. It's very challenging. I mean, we, we kind of touched base on the beginning of this. I mean, people who have been crapped on the majority of their lives, and then you have to earn that trust and their acceptance even of you, not only you have to show acceptance to them, they need to accept you and trust you. And that, that's got to be a very uh, challenging thing. And, and then, then you throw addiction on top of that or a serious mental illness that's unmedicated, mm-hmm. untreated on top of that. It, then it's not always about a trust issue, but you just have to keep going and keep going and keep going until even, how do I word this the correct way? <laughs> that even the most mentally ill person will know that you are somebody to them. Mm-hmm. They may not can connect all the dots, but they'll come back to you over and over again to seek the things that they need. Yeah, it's a tough. This is a tough line of uh, line of work to be in. 
a lot of my friends say, how do you do it? And I said, I don't know. How do you go to work and how do you do your job? You have to love it. Yeah. You really have to love what you're doing and you have to have a, a love for people and you just do what you got to do. Yeah, no, and that's what it is. If, if you don't love it, my father always said, uh, find a job you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Which is why I started doing what I'm doing here. I love um, conversations and I love spreading messages of people who do awesome work like here and all the other. I'm getting into video production, which is pretty exciting. And I'm going to be able to share people's stories that way, which is something I would like to talk to you three about. Absolutely. After I'll get this, in on that one with you. Yeah. Anyway, to kind of sort of wrap things up here, I want to do another round robin of <laughs> Alyssa. Another round robin. Get ready to write down some stuff. <laughs> Obviously, we kind of touch base on both of these things. But, you know, some of the challenges that you gals are facing and some of the, you know, the success, what you see, what has been going on right, and just kind of your last little bit of, I don't know, I don't want to say like advice, but you're kind of, hey, you're talking to somebody who's struggling out there, who's got no place to go. And besides come use our services, what you would say to them, that's kind of encouraging. So I don't know whoever wants to start, but I'm assuming... Alyssa's going to look over here at Stacy <laughs> to start. So, Stacy, you might as well start. I might as well. If you are in need and you are in Erie County, there is somebody that is waiting to help you. Whether it's calling 211, whether it's going to the bottom floor of the downtown library to get in on coordinated entry and have that Viaspidat done and that intake completed, um, whether it's going to the homeless window at the Rath Building, somebody is there to help you. Whether it's the numerous organizations that come downtown to pass out food and clothing, or Will Marcy driving around in his little car passing out bottled water and gloves and underwear, somebody is waiting to help you. And it's the hardest thing in the world to ask for it, especially if you're under the bridge or you're at a point where you think nobody cares, but just ask. I have people right now that will be glad to tell you that they were where you are. Just ask. Yeah, that's, uh, that is a tough thing. I don't know why as human beings, I remember so many times when I was struggling with my addiction and my girlfriend crying, looking me in the eye, like, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, what's happened? Just wanting to help. And I think two or three times, nothing. What are you talking about? Just blatantly. It's, it is, it's, I don't know why it's so hard for us to show that vulnerability and ask for help. And that's, that's just it. Asking for help means that you're defeated. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. Yeah. There's a lot of mistrust. Yeah. Um, we as a society don't treat our addicts very well. Nope. We don't look at our homeless very well. We step over them. Or cross the street to get away from the street, them. <laughs> or we're afraid of them. Or drug addicts are those other people. That's not mine and my family. Um, so it's hard. That's why it's hard. Nobody wants to be judged by other people for their their worst day. Mm -hmm. I guess my biggest thing is if if somebody is to the point in their life where they do want help 
and they run into somebody that just doesn't quite get it, just keep trying. Just keep trying because I'm telling you there, as Stacy said, there are there are a lot of people out there that are willing to help, even if it's just to go to City Mission for a meal or Friends of Night for a meal or even just stop in at Matt Urban on Paderewski. Mm-hmm. People will sit there and listen to you, even if it's for a few minutes. That's all you want. One of my biggest I can't tell them, say it's my favorite client, but one of the clients that I got when I first started, um, I literally would sit there with him for an hour or two as he's crying, just sitting there. Just for the two words that may have come out of his mouth. And so until I looked at him, I'm like, I really have to go. I'm really, really sorry, but let's try this again, okay? Because it took him a very long time just to get anything out. He's getting better now. But um, he's still, you get those soft spots. And all I can do is just keep encouraging people to try. And it's so cliche. If you first don't succeed, try, try again. And that is very difficult. But I'm t- I'm pleading with you. If you need help, reach out. Just mm-hmm. ask. You know, you see, like she said, somebody handing sandwiches out on the street corner with their trunk raised up and they got sandwiches and water and gloves, hats, you know, just say, hey. I may, I think I might need some help. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it really is. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say any better. I can't say how many people I have come in contact with who have been to 17 different rehabs, who have been to 20 different, you know, hospitals or whatever it is that have now found success and have a beautiful life. And it's okay to go backwards. It really is. It's part of learning. Yeah. Okay. And that's what another thing that people have to realize is, is, Nobody expects somebody to change like that. One of the big, one of the things I always tell people besides making them wanting to feel warm and fuzzy is how long did it take you to get to this point in your life? You know, when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're 50, how do you think that that's going to happen? That change is going to happen in a week, mm-hmm. two weeks. You can't undo all of that stuff, but you have to be willing to start trying to undo a little bit and then work on that. Yep. That reminds me. We just celebrated one year of one of our clients being in the program. And when he came into the program, he had been under the bridge for probably three, four years. And he just celebrated his year. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be his street outreach worker also. And it took me going every day, every other day, waking him up at seven o'clock in the morning with coffee and him getting mad at me and cussing me out. And But eventually <laughs> it stuck and it worked and in this past year, we have both lost people that we knew from that street outreach time when he was out on the street. And um, when he came into the program, he was not clean. He was still in active addiction, but it slowed and it slowed and it slowed. And now he's clean and sober and so very thankful. And he said, you know, if you just hadn't come and made me angry every morning at seven <laughs> o'clock with coffee, this would have never happened. So it does get better. Yes, it does. And I think Colleen hit it on the head too with just we fail. And one of my like when I started room nine, when I kind of came up with my little, you know, mission statement of what I wanted to do, the biggest piece of that, because it was one of the biggest things for me, was to take failure and struggle and pain and a cry from it, because that's a huge tool, that's a huge release. But most more importantly, why I'm crying. 
to open my eyes and try to learn. Because when I learn something, something that seems so meaningless and pointless can have meaning if I do that. And that is one of my biggest things I want to just spread and share with people because that uh, that made me almost not like I'm going to fail on purpose, but made me excited and look forward to, all right, I'm going to try this. If I fail, I learn from it and I do it better. And that's one of my favorite things that has changed in my soul over the last two and a half years that I really want to share with people. And any little thing that you feel is a success, it's a success. mm -hmm. No matter how small, like, you know, hey, I I brushed my teeth today. That's Mm -hmm. a success for some people. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to celebrate. Absolutely. And if you can have one of those little successes every day, those just start piling on each other. And next thing you know, you got a year clean, you got a job, you're off the street. I mean, it's it's insane. One day at a time. Yep. And if you start at the bottom, you have no place else to go but up. Mm -hmm. You might stumble, but you get back up. That's beautiful. Alyssa? Okay. So these folks, Stacy, Colleen, and the team... They're they're the hands-on guys. They're doing everything. They see much more than I see these days. But what I can say from the administrative perspective is that we will continue to seek additional housing supports and services for individuals in this community and other communities. And I like that part of it now. It's kind of fun being able to, to find housing and opportunities for individuals and see it grow. Mm-hmm. And just the different types of housing that we have been doing in the past couple of years. We've we've grown significantly, um, almost tripling in size. Like I had mentioned before, we were at 20 when we first started, and now we're up to 275 beds. But each one of them is a special, a special kind of housing for a special kind of person. And even though they're siloed and it's, it's just very exciting to be able to offer that. Now to spread our wings into other communities, it's even it's even better. So like I like handing that over to those guys. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on it now. Oh, that's great. And you three ladies, I'm actually very happy we got to do this again. I think this was an even better mm-hmm. conversation than the first one. And, you know, like I said, uh, sometimes things happen for a reason and it's good to fail. Because that is my motto in life. It's on my wall. Everything <laughs> happens for a reason. You may not understand it, but there's a reason. Is as annoying as that is to hear when you are <laughs> oh, right? you know, in the gutter. You know, everything happens for a reason, but it's, it is very true. <laughs> thank you uh, very much for sitting down with me. So same thank time next so week. Much. Right? Same yeah. time next week. Absolutely. He just likes coming to hang out with us. <laughs> we'll have to keep the episodes going. Oh, wait a second. What does room nine? I'm interviewing you now. Yes. What does room nine stand for? Room nine was my room number at my long-term treatment facility at Horizon Village. Very cool. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, that's very, very creative. Yeah, because I originally was doing this with my roommate. We did like three or four episodes together. And I remember we were just in our in the room every night. We'd just hang out and talk about whatever, what we learned, what we want to do, you know, just our lives and all our messed up things that we have to fix in ourselves. And... I was like, dude, I already had stuff to do a podcast because I've always loved podcasts. And we actually did two episodes out on pass. The first two episodes we did out on pass. We, we were still residents of Horizon Village. Well, that is outstanding. You, yeah. you are awesome. an inspiration. Yes, so, yes. Uh, absolutely. I hope not. <laughs> no, no. Hey, no, I'm hey. Just joking. everybody that's, has that's a the story. Goal of it. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's where uh, that's where Room Nine comes from. So that's awesome. All right. Well, on that note, I'm sure everybody who hears that is gonna be like, "Oh, he's talking about this again." It's all good. His room number. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't know. So. I know. That's awesome. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. is that folks like i said in the beginning just what an amazing episode this was and how awesome these three women are and how much they are just humbled and grateful for the opportunities they get to work and help people find a place to live which is as stated in this episode the one of the most important things you can't do anything else in life you can't work on your spiritual side of life you can't work on your emotional or your mental side until you have food and housing clothes like if you don't have those three things obviously you're not worried about anything else and improving anything else so what an important job they have and they are so grateful to be doing it and it is encouraging to hear people who are in this position to be in you know the state of mind that they have it's just really encouraging to know there's so many people out there who love and care about everyone don't judge anybody they come across so i'm hoping to continue the journey of videoing with the housing department because i would like to do some little mini documentary stuff with all that so news to come on all that uh get the spectrum's website get the room nine podcast website and i will be talking to you guys next week peace